0: Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it.
1: Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within.
2: Contact CPF Coaching, LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hey, security peeps. We are back with another edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity 2.0, the leadership series. And we are here with our fabulous leadership expert, Sarah Moffitt. Well, I will introduce myself. I'm Renee Small from um, Co host of Breaking Into Cybersecurity, Cybersecurity Super Recruiter, helping amazing talent get into opportunities and helping wonderful leaders get great talent. My co host, Chris, go for it. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. <laughs> I'm moving fast today. Straight to the Sarah is not feeling that well, but we wanted to jump on and get this topic going. Sarah, jump in and introduce yourself, please.
1: My name is Sarah Moffitt. I do not have coronavirus. I just have a cold. It's not a tumor. It's just a headache. Um, (laughs) I'm a talent development expert. I'm a leadership coach. Um, I've been doing this for about 15 years. And my specialty is in, um, well, I've got a background in cyber workforce management, so that's me. I'm that you. You. you can find me on leadingladies.co
2: or you can find me on LinkedIn. Leadingladies.co. Well, she's tagged up here um, and we wanted to bring Sarah in to talk about this trending topic that's happening right now. We did a post. Um, I did a post this weekend. Um, there was an executive order through um, the White House that talked about education and skills and um, college degrees versus looking at opening up the um, federal government to look at skills versus versus degrees for employment. And the, the post blew up. So everyone's been talking, pretty much talking about it. Um, and really the question that comes up a lot is, does higher education matter? You know, it's, you know, is it college versus, Um, other forms of education. So Sarah, does higher education matter in cybersecurity?
1: Yeah, it does. Um, But it's not the only thing that matters and it's not the most important thing. So um, when I used to do, I used to do a lot of speaking events on cybersecurity workforce. And one of the things that I would talk about is that you've got a lot of folks that just have degrees. And they come out of college. Oh, we lost Renee. That's good.
2: Okay.
1: They come out of college with the know-how, but they don't have what I call the do-how.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: you know they're great. They they have all of the knowledge, but they don't have the skills or the abilities to do the job. So when you're talking about a competency, a competency is is made up of three things: knowledge, skills, and abilities. You've got to know the stuff. You've got to have the the skill to do it, and you need The abilities is going to be something that is unique to the environment in which you do that job, right? Mm -hmm. So when you come out of college, if you don't have the fingers on keyboard or the experiential learning, what you've got is knowledge lacking skill. And so what we're really looking for in cyber is we're looking for the dynamic duo, the knowledge and the skill. And then Putting those together, put it providing you an environment where you are able, where you've got the ability to execute that knowledge and that skill. So the long story short is does higher ed for me, does higher ed matter? Yeah, it does. And you're talking to somebody who's got a bachelor's degree and is, you know, two seconds from finishing her master's. I obviously think that education is important. But but I'm also the daughter of um of a guy who went to Computer Learning Center in 1973 and got one certification and made it all the way up to GS 15. He wrote the White House Access Visitor Entry System. He developed the website for missing and exploited children. And he's, you know, I'm I'm his daughter. So he never even got n- never even got an agile certificate after that, but he was like. scrum master of the world so you know i think that experience matters education matters put them both together and you're unstoppable i guess
0: exactly i I agree that it is certifications and education um experience and certs and education You, you need them all um i i hold a masters i'm an adjunct professor um one of the things that I do for my classes is I pivot away from having them just write, write academic papers. I have them write yeah. actionable reports. I And the students hate it because they're <laughs> not used to that. Um, but it's, it, the it's, li, it's the liberty that I, I have in my class that I can make you write actionable reports. So yeah. I, I, I'm trying to get them to have that experience while doing education. But yeah, I think you
2: need both. That's what I, I tend to talk about as well. Like what what I see as a gap in a lot of the um, formal higher education programs is that the actual real world experience isn't baked into the program, and I think that the ones that tend to have graduates who get scooped up um, for opportunities. Are working with people, or or the the professors tend to be practitioners. They um, have real world experience. They are working in the field. They are currently, you know, they're on the pulse of what's happening, and they can really bring their their students. the education with practical, a bit of practical experience in terms of either um, class projects, internship opportunities, like those types of things. So that when you do come out of school, you do have a baseline knowledge, as Sarah said, plus what Chris is talking about. Um, And then you have a little bit, a little nugget of experience to be able to walk in that door and have, be able to, yes, put your hands on keyboard because you did a little bit of that, you Mm -hmm. know, during your college experience.
0: Right. I think the other thing that um, colleges should do is they should force that internship aspect of it, that that should be a requirement of getting that that degree, that um, they work with the local businesses or the businesses in the area, A, to set the curriculum, to find out what the market needs, and then B, to have the students get that real-world education while they're working on their degree. And that would be closer to to the apprentice model, but still um, progress towards it.
1: Right. that's so, you know, so there's two, there's two executive orders that came out right either right before the weekend or right during the weekend. The first one basically said it was very short and it said, we're going to keep, we're going to keep doing this uh, workforce policy advisory board. That's the first one. The second one that came out said essentially the whole point of the federal government is to provide employment opportunities based on merit, right? You you shouldn't, if you are good at your job, you should be able to move up through the ranks as a civil servant. And the laws that define how the federal government hires and onboards their workforce are ancient. They are really, really ancient. Like I want to say like 1975 or even before that. So we're talking close to 50 years old, and um, you know, and over the years the qualifications have changed. So what this EO is saying, ex- executive order is saying, that OPM and federal leads and agencies, mostly OPM, need to go through the um, requirements, the classification guide for how they classify jobs. So different jobs have different classifications. And what they're saying is, you can't say that you need to either have seven years of experience or a master's or require a master's for certain roles. So it's not saying the degrees aren't required at all. It's saying that it can't be the thing that, 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 that provides the merit for you to get hired. So The first thing it says is that agencies should prescribe minimal education requirements for employment um, only when minimal education requirements are required by the state or the locality. What that means is if you have to have four years of college and a CPA in order to be an accountant, then working for the government in that place, you need to have your, you need to be a CPA and have four years of education. If you have to have an MD and sit, you know, for that exam to be a doctor, then you still need to do that. So that's, it's not saying that there's no education requirements. It's saying that, um, that can't be the only requirement. And so that's like important. And it's also only applied to competitive service, not accepted service. So any jobs that like accepted service usually are jobs that include national security or intelligence jobs, so DIA, CIA, FBI, NSA, Secret Service, NCIS, um, most of their jobs are going to be accepted service, so they don't fall underneath this executive order. This is just for competitive service, what we think of as a general schedule, right, the GS scale. So that's those are important things okay. for for people to understand.
0: That's the challenge there is that there's no... I also- uh, accepted standard in the commercial world for cybersecurity, yeah.
1: but we see, but we've seen a lot of big organizations nix the education rule. Right? Who was it? Maybe Twitter? I can't remember. Or Apple? Somebody big recently said we're no longer going re- to require four-year degrees for these roles. So the EO is forcing the federal government to be more like private industry in that way, which is a good thing. I th- I think as a as somebody who's worked in this field.
2: I would agree with you I also was able to, I would agree with you I was watching the actual discussion and have been reading can you guys hear me
1: yeah am i delayed yeah
2: I'm delayed okay um you can talk <laughs> you all I think yeah. I, I'm having technical difficulties. So what? So what I does CEO
1: is saying today? This executive eleven is.
2: up and going on out.
1: <laughs> I think you might be back. No. no maybe not.
2: No. Did I go away?
1: Yeah. you Well, jittering.
2: Okay, so you can hear me clearly now. Yes. Jitter. Okay, so I I was actually able to watch the um, entire discussion and saw that not only was Apple CEO a part of this, IBM CEO was a part of it, Um, uh, Siemens CEO was a part of it, Uh, Western Governors University's president, Udacity's CEO. So it had a combination of private industry bringing what they're doing to the table in order to hopefully change um the antiquated government system so it's not one-sided and i know the folks at ibm for example i don't think they're just gonna say okay no more degrees to your point right it's just that going to discount with skills um that they're bringing to the table so i just want to add that as well
0: and you have a lot of uh, consulting companies that started this process, I want to say, over a year ago. I think Ernst & Young was the first major um, of the big four to drop the certification. I mean, the degree requirements um, for onboarding new staff. They, they removed the requirement for a bachelor's degree, which for the longest time um, was a minimum requirement for them. Well,
1: So, I, I mean... Chris, I think all three of us are kind of going to gonna probably point to the same point. And the EO, the, the, the thing about the EO that it's going to do is that it's going to force agencies, individual agencies, to be more hands-on with the hiring practice. And hiring managers are going to have to be more included because they are going to have to be able to say what skills are actually required for the job. It can't be as blanketed as it has been. This is all, by the way, just my opinion as Sarah Moffat, not representing anybody. This is just what I think based on having read the the EO myself and and reading some articles about it. But what it's also going to do is it's going to create um, the need for individual assessments. So right now, if I apply for a federal job, depending on what agency, I have to show myself as best qualified, and I do that by answering a series of questions. And if I, you know, if I appear to be the best qualified based on my self attestation, then I'm going to make it to the qualification list and possibly get referred to the hiring manager. In this case now, and and the only reason, the only way I'm going to get there is if I have all of the other qualifications. If I submit my, um, my. Um, uh, what's the word that you get from the paper that shows that you actually went to college? Transcript. <laughs> <Yes. Woo. laughs> <sighs> uh, submit my transcripts, submit all the other paperwork and I appear to be best qualified. Then I'm going to get referred to hiring manager. In this case, the education requirement isn't going to be a requirement, but what is going to be a requirement is, and, and they're not going to rely so much on the self attestation. Cause I can say I'm great at it all day long. What they're going to require is skills assessments. So hiring managers are going to have to be more involved in identifying what their exact skills that we're talking about, um, not necessarily just kind of blanket skills for, for individual roles. So it's, it's going to be good, I think, but it's I, I going think to require more intricacies from the managers.
0: I think it'll be good. Um, and I think the commercial sector should adapt that same skills assessment um, I think that the problem right now with many of the job descriptions is, A, the hiring manager hasn't sat down to define all the skills and competencies needed for their roles. Whereas I think more on the government sector, they do that because you're forced to do that. Um, but I, I think it will be an adjustment and a positive adjustment um, if this happens in the commercial sector as well.
1: Well, it's going to be kind of interesting because a lot of times... When you're filling government contracts, there are these humongous regulations for what the contractors need to have. Oh, I want them to have a master's and four thousand years of experience, and I'm going to pay them twelve dollars an hour. Of course, I'm exaggerating slightly, right? <laughs> but um, that, but I think that'll be the next domino to fall because you can't, you can't require that the federal employees themselves, um, you know, don't have to have a have to have a um, a four year diploma, and then require that all the contractors do it. It'll be an interesting domino effect to see happening between public and private sector.
0: Definitely. Renee, um, how- so, uh... <laughs> I think she's delayed.
1: She's frozen.
0: Yeah. Um, Sarah, based on your experience, how do you feel that the assessment process in I'm the commercial delayed. sector has been going?
2: <laughs> yeah, totally delayed.
0: Um,
1: how do I think the assessment process in which sector? You said public sector? Private. Private. I don't know because I've been a Fed for so long and I've been in the federal government for so long. But I mean, I, so yeah, I can't answer that question. I don't know. Okay. I wish I did. Uh,
0: Go ahead. In in regards to your experience with um, helping to coach leaders, do you feel that they take um, the assessments that you provide and pass that down to help um, build their staff in such a way?
1: So when I'm, when I'm coaching, People in cybersecurity, when I'm doing any career development for anybody in cybersecurity, and I'll take my old role when I was working at HHS, what I'm going to tell you to do is I'm going to tell you to pull up the NICE framework, the NICE cybersecurity workforce framework, SP, Special Publication 800-181. And I'm going to tell you to find your work role, and it's going to list the knowledge, skills, and abilities that you need in a general way for that work role. And it doesn't break it down by um, proficiency level. Okay. So let's say we've got the work role of program manager. There's going to be a proficiency one where you're just coming in two, three, four, right? So entry-level, mid, senior, expert, whatever. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to look at those knowledge, skills, and ability statements and kind of, you know, maybe it's not manage a program. Maybe it's assistant managing a program, or maybe it's managing a project within a program. But at any rate, I'm going to tell someone who is seeking a job as a cyber project manager, cyber program manager to look at those KSAs and make sure they have the knowledge and the skills, because that's the stuff that's gonna end up going on the job description. That's what's gonna go on the position description. And that's the stuff that they are going to have to, in my my experience, that's the stuff that they're going to be uh, building skills assessments on. Can you do this skill? it says you have to per the cyber the cyber workforce framework so can you actually do it and that is a great way for anybody breaking into cybersecurity existing already in cybersecurity looking to expand their skill set um, is that they need to be able to look at what's required and they need to be able to perform the skills based on that,
0: that did that yeah 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 um it does uh, i did a quick informal poll I think last week to ask um, how many people use the nice framework to build their job descriptions and not no one really did in the private sector In the private
1: sector. Yeah. In the public sector, which is what the EO is based on. You have to. Yeah. But, but I will say there is, and I know we need to wrap in a second. There is a huge consortium and I cannot remember who, um, what it's called, but it's made up of, some of the biggest organizations in the world. Oh, it's called the Aspen Group, um, and they are pushing for private sector to start to base their roles more and more on cyber, on, based on the uh, Nice Workforce Framework. And I see you're. Gonna, I think you're going to see a greater collaboration between private and public and education going forward with the Workforce Framework to have it be more of the framework. Pardon me for how you define cyber world cyber roles
0: yeah i think that would be helpful would be helpful so well folks i gotta jump um so thank you so much renee i don't i think you're still delayed. so um <laughs> i don't think i can yeah maybe we could say goodbye and have a great day everyone
1: Hey, message us if you have questions or put some que- put some um, stuff down in the comments. And I think all of us can take some turns answering those comment questions if you want.
0: Right? Definitely. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. Okay. Thanks, Thanks for, for having everybody. me on again, guys. Definitely. See you next week. Bye. in the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity. Your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business